everybody. Welcome to another episode of Half Ashed. My name is Craig Schneider. That salty, sweaty, kind of frustrated guy 1,850 miles southeast of me is none other than everybody's favorite hillbilly, Mr. Kip Fisher. Kip Arino, how you doing tonight? I'm all right, I reckon. Getting by anyway. All you've done for the now 70 minutes we've been uh, on a call off and on is complain about things. And now you're all right? Come on. I'm all right, I reckon. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, everybody, I'd like to introduce you to Angry Kip. Did we hear it? (laughs) This is me. Hyped up on my type A personality. <laughs> uh, well, I am ready to laugh and to make it my mission to make you laugh. So uh, how the heck are you, man? Are things uh, going well this week? I know today's been a little bit of a cluster, but what say you? Yeah, overall, the week's been good. Uh, I, It's one of those things where two weeks ago began this horrible head cold, and last week I started coming out of it and this week i have come enough out of it to, that it has made me very thankful not to still be in it so that kind of put me in a little bit of a positive mindset for most of the week till today just went all the crap but other than that it's all right how about yourself uh eh. <laughs> I, I don't know no i'm great would you care to maybe elaborate on eh. uh good no, I am. Uh, <laughs> I am really good. We did not record last week because I was uh, visiting my parents. So, anytime I can spend some time out in Colorado is uh, is good time in my book. So, thank you for covering your microphone when you also muted it. That really made sure that we didn't get the cough noise. Kip, appreciate that. You know, I, I didn't <laughs> want to transfer a digital virus to you or something. You know, you're you're always thinking of me. I appreciate that. Huh. I am. I'm very considerate. Uh, also, so yeah, I didn't want to spit all over my own mic either. Oh well, maybe it would work better than it has for yeah, our seventy minute delay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, if anybody is in the chat room, I know that uh, we do have some listeners in there. We apologize certainly for being a little delayed tonight, <laughs> but there were some people. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that does look like a lot of Craig Schneider, Craig Schneider, Craig Schneider, Craig Schneider recently, doesn't it? Um, so trip was good. Seeing my folks was good. Um, my boys are, you know, another year older. And so uh, mountain activities and fishing and outdoor stuff is a little bit easier, a little more uh, accepted. So we had a blast. We were, uh, we found a little mountain lake that, Somebody had stocked with largemouth bass, and uh, the bass were spawning. I guess they spawn really late out there. So, holy crap, they were they were as territorial and willing to eat anything as as uh, uh, I've ever seen. So, my oldest boy Luke, he he caught ten fish in two hours. The vast wow. majority of them were largemouth. It was great. Nice. Yeah. yeah. I dig it. I'm uh. I'm a trout fisherman normally, so I'm not set up with a whole ton of uh, spin fish and lures and things. But uh, man, oh man, <clears throat> it, it worked out uh, worked out pretty well. So we had a really good Father's Day morning doing that. Cool. So uh, you obviously not uh, are not in the states, but uh, 
does Father's Day still happen in the Fisher family, or do you adopt the Dominican lifestyle? Uh, well, actually, there is a Dominican Father's Day as well. I don't know when it is because I don't remember, but so maybe we celebrate twice but don't really do much. So, <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, I uh, I hope you at least made yourself some barbecue or something. Yeah, yeah, no, no barbecue. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, no. Uh, well, did you do anything special at all? Not really, just hung around the house. That's about it. I'm trying to think of what we did do. I remember it was last week, but I can't remember. Oh, I was sick at that point. I was very, that was like really sick. Did you really say, when thinking about last week, did you really say, I remember that it was last week? Yeah. Well, I, did. I really appreciate that clarification when trying to remember last week. <laughs> Oh, yeah. oh yeah, yeah, folks. Yeah. Well, I think, look what I, I got to work with. I think I think my my headset's having some more troubles. <laughs> oh, your headset! You've got one of those uh, changing word headsets. Uh-huh. It says the wrong thing. It's like a prank headset, is what it is. I see. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, Colorado was good. I appreciated your willingness to uh, grant me the week off, so to speak. So thank you for that. And uh, I am here tonight and happy to be so. I've got a little bit of a of a uh, built-up demand for half-ash chatter. So you better bring it tonight. Yeah. <laughs> you're, you're sh- you're the world's nicest troll, is what you are. <laughs> what does that even mean? <laughs> Boy, I hope you bring your conversation tonight, Kip. Yeah. <laughs> whoa, whoa. Settle down. Children are listening. Sometimes, man, you're too mean. <sighs> well, we uh, we do not have an unbanded tonight, but we do have another very good cigar. Uh, oh, you're coughing uncontrollably. <laughs> I was, yeah. But yes, we do have a good cigar. At least that's what the the, the great expectation and hope is that it's a good cigar. That that's um, true. F. Scott Fitzgerald has told us he we expects have it. Certainly, been waiting long enough to smoke these things. Yes, we have. Well, I don't think that what I have uh, uh, is as old as what you have, but uh, you've got a pretty cool offering there. Why don't you go ahead and tell us? Yeah, I am smoking the Irochi Robaina Claro. Those of you who see this video can see this blurry image. It is the one with the white band. And we've talked about these. We've talked about the originals. And we even may have talked about the <laughs> peckerhead out driving my street. <laughs> did you hear uh, that? I did hear that, yes. That is a Jeep Cherokee. <laughs> and this guy, he, he, he lives a street over. And he it's the street I live on, the, the block I live on, has a crevasse you have to go through at the bottom of the hill. You cannot go through without stopping. And he turns into that, eases through the ditch, and then does that. And the entire length of my street <laughs> is under 100 yards. 
And that's how he's got to make that hundred yards. Cause when you get to the top, there's no stop signs cause there's no stop signs anywhere around here, but it's a cross way. There's two streets that cross here and we have accidents there every single week because people do that without looking, stopping, blowing a horn or doing anything. But I don't get doing that for a hundred yards. He's got to turn when he gets to the end of a hundred freaking yards. But anyway, <laughs> let's get back to the cigar. All right. Where were we? Oh, I'm smoking the Claro, which has an Ecuador Nabano Claro wrapper and not a great deal of detail about what is inside that. Uh, but as a disclaimer, a notice, uh, whatever, this is actually a still leftover um, IPCPR sample from 2016 when these things, I believe that's right about the time they were actually coming out. So these, this one, at least the one I'm smoking has three years of time on it. It was a, an early sample. It may have been tinkered with afterward. Who knows? Because I don't know what's inside this thing, to be honest with you, but I wanted to go ahead and smoke it anyway, even down the road. Um, this is, they call this the 109 Vitola, which uh, is that a traditional Cuban Vitola? It is a traditional in that it uh, existed many, many, many moons ago, but it is not traditional as in uh, what is still regularly utilized in uh, in Cuba. Okay, so it's seven and a quarter inches by uh, roughly a 50 <coughs> range is what I got on this one. Um, although if you look around the web, they're listed as seven, seven and a half, seven and a quarter, but the one I have is seven and a quarter inches. Um, they're also called a Churchill, a double Corona. There's people call them willy nilly. Some places do actually call them the one Oh nine. That is what the company itself calls them. Um, I believe I'm not positive, but I believe that the one Oh nine is seven and a half by 50 traditionally. Okay. And I can find that out here. Just a second. Grab my handy dandy. Illustrated Encyclopedia of Post-Revolution Havana Cigars, which... Well, uh, while, you, while you do that, we, I believe, at least once have smoked the standard offering with the brown label, what you're smoking tonight. I think we've at least once and maybe twice even smoked that cigar. Uh, I didn't know that we did that. We've done that on the well, show? I wouldn't swear to it in a court of law, but I think we have. Um, huh. I'm almost certain of it, actually. Um, but anyway... <laughs> I, we did not smoke this show sample at the time because it got put off for a while. It, it was up for a possibility of being tinkered with, but okay. I'm going to click on your video. You do now have something to show. Oh, no, I, I was trying to impress the audience with uh, my encyclopedic <laughs> information about the one Oh nine. So you are correct. Seven and a quarter, roughly. By 50. In reality, it is 184 millimeters. That's how they track the size. Um, so seven and a quarter by 50 is close enough. Now, okay. the thing that that differentiates a 109 from a typical cigar is that it's not truly a Parejo. It typically has a like a, a marble head to it or an extremely subtle um, pyramid tip. So, okay, it did indeed have a very ballish kind of head on it. 
I, I noticed that when I clipped it, but I yep. didn't think yeah, I just thought it was a an oddball gap. No. Yeah, it did have the one oh nine, what differentiates a one oh nine is <clears throat> that it has that extremely difficult uh head to it. Um and it always does. The one oh nine has always had that. Uh, and uh, any special release typically will do that. Otherwise, they're going to call it a double Corona or something along those lines. Gotcha. So, um, well, Well, I have smoked that Claro that you are smoking right now, and it is delicious. Um, Why don't uh, don't you finish what you were saying? I just interrupted you, but uh, then I can jump in a little bit on my stuff uh, in a bit. No worries. No worries at all. I I, I actually did not do... Uh, that that was back in the day when I was actually kind of doing some, you know, some stuff with cigars and writing up articles and things like that. I did not do anything about the Hirochi Robaina slash White Hat at that time. Uh, the company's now been renamed La Familia Robaina, but at that time it was White Hat was their their partner and distributor. Um, I did not do. I did not feature that company that year uh, in any of the things I wrote up. And I just happened the last. It wasn't the last day of the show. It was the last day I was at the show. Uh, just happened to be kind of roaming around, you know, hitting the last few spots I had not gotten to yet, and they were not busy at the time. And I just struck up a conversation with uh, the gentleman sitting there, and oh, it was not Erochi himself. I cannot remember the man's name. But forgive me. Um, and he said, come on, sit down, have a cigar. So I sat down and had a cigar. I really liked the cigar. And he gave me this one and a couple others and kind of went from there. And here we are three years later smoking them finally, which is a travesty. But all the parts hey, man, the <clears throat> that's, that's uh, not a travesty. I call that normal. Yeah. Wait well, a few years. It would be a travesty had we not smoked others of their cigars in the meantime to at least talk about them i i will agree with that these are uh truly a a splendid uh, um triumvirate of blends from uh irochi robaina um sorry i'm trying to put a the cap from this cigar in my lighter or excuse me in my ashtray um typically this cigar was released, the uh, HR was released with the normal kind of maroon brown band that uh, <clears throat> mimics or pays homage to the Robaena uh, cigar in Cuba, um, named after Irochi's grandfather, uh, Alejandro Robaena, um, the only living person at the time who had a cigar named after him. Uh, on the island of Cuba. So it was uh, an incredible honor back in, I believe, 1997 when they first came out. Hirochi uh, worked with Alejandro until his death and even shortly thereafter with the Cuban government um, and then came to the States sometime in the the late aughts, early uh, teens, I believe, and um, <clears throat> started his own cigar, originally distributed by Cubanicon, I believe. Um, I believe you're correct. And uh, he has gone through a number of different uh, factories and distribution channels, whatever, however else you want to describe that. Um, That's really not, you know, what we're experts on going to be able to share much more about tonight. But 
um, what I can say from experience is that through all of that, the different factories, the different distribution channels, the different LLCs or corporations that uh, have represented this cigar, um, I don't believe the cigar has changed. They have often been some of the best smoking experiences that I've had. Um, I think that they've been out for more than three years. Three years ago may have been when the the Claro and uh, the Navy colored band, which I don't remember what that line is called. Um, I, just I believe always it, called it the blue. We can go with blue. Um, since the, the blue and white versions uh, of the blend were released, I think that that's been three years. But I'm going to say that we're approaching eight or nine, maybe even maybe a little less than that for the one that I have. Um, I don't know that for sure, though. I We might want to do a little Googling to find that out. Um, yeah. And and I did look up. We smoked the brown one that you're smoking right now back on episode 138. Okay. All right. So I have been a huge fan of these cigars since their release. Um, back when they came out, they were one of those La Polina-ish kind of things. It launched a cigar that was above 20 bucks a stick. And yeah, I, yeah. I was skeptical, but, but I did enjoy the cigar quite a bit. Yeah, I think that um, I think it was a smart move. Frankly, um, <clears throat> if if you couldn't sell the Robayana cigar <clears throat> to the American market, um, why not you come to America, raise your family in America, and try to make your own cigar um, and play off of that and capture that that family uh, mystique and heritage and uh, market it to the American market. Um, if that's something that you're interested in. So um, it's uh, it's something that I believe has probably paid off pretty well for him. Um, I don't know anyone who thinks negatively about these cigars. And uh, I will I will include myself in that. I don't have a negative thing to say, um, especially now when their price has substantially lowered from where it was uh, previously. Uh, as you had mentioned, these things were atrociously priced at one time and now you can you can go online and uh let me see what is this box um what i am smoking right now which is the toro six by 52 yeah it is normal six by 52 you can go buy that for uh, roughly 12 bucks a cigar so that's expensive but it's not horrid um And uh, I would say it's as good as anybody who's going to go out there and grab a Padron Anniversario for cheaper than that cigar. No doubt about it. Yeah, for half so, the price of that cigar. Essentially, yeah. Yeah. So, well, as I said, I am, I am smoking the Toro in the traditional or original, the brown band. Um, and uh, I find these to be delicious. Strong. Uh, on the upper end of where my preference lies, but not approaching too strong. Um, nowhere approaching too strong. Balanced, a lot of sweetness. Um, not a whole ton of complexity, but there are multiple sides to the flavor. Uh, maybe a couple a couple key elements. The um, 
<clears throat> a little bit of a twang, a little bit of like a sugary sweetness, and then a little bit of a deeper, darker flavor for me. Um, and if I recall some of my previous uh, samples, I'm not far enough along in this one to to report how it evolves, but I believe that evolution kind of leads a little bit more towards um, uh, some of the cocoa sweetness, but in a different way from what you would think of as a Maduro uh, cocoa. Um, this wrapper, though, coincidentally, um, is referred to as uh, Maduro. It's at some locations where you're looking up information. So it's an Ecuadorian Abano Maduro wrapper um, with all Nicaraguan innards, uh, binder, and filler leaves. So I would really be interested to know how similar these three lines are in internal components um, I wonder if they are nearly identical with just different wrappers on them. <clears throat> that's, a, that's a good question. Um, this one, I smoked one of these ages ago, but this is the first in forever. Um, but it, it it seems a good bit less potent than the others that I've had, in particular the one you're smoking right now. Hmm. Um, it's brighter for sure, more of that tropical spice kind of flavor. And maybe it, it, maybe I could get to the cocoa thing you're describing, but it's not really there strongly. It's more of that uh, Del Roush style baking spice kind of thing. Your wrapper on that is just a traditional, um, <clears throat> uh, essentially like what someone would think of as a Connecticut shade color, or is it darker than that? Uh, maybe just a hair, just a shade darker than that. Um, but I have to say, and those who see the posting when it makes it up to the website, will see the picture that I took this afternoon. The, the cellophane that was on this thing was what in the notes I called sinfully dark. Oh. <laughs> I, I would never have guessed a cigar that's only three years old and of a lighter, uh, coloration to have darken cellophane so much as that in three years time hmm. actually kind of anxious to see the back of this band whenever i take it out there i don't know if, the, if it's oil stained almost no the band is actually pretty clean hmm. but it clearly was not colored cellophane as some people like to do i'm looking at you perdomo champagne <laughs> It, uh, it it was only darkened where the cigar was touching. It was like when you unfolded the cellophane, that was all still as clear as could be. It was just where the cigar was that it had actually darkened so much. Well, mentioning the a cigar that had um, such incredible uh, oils made me think, of, or maybe not oils, oils isn't the right word, um, such incredible uh, uh ambered cellophane and being curious if it might have been impacted by the oils of the wrapper. Uh, that made me think of <clears throat> the Boulevard in Mint, or excuse me, Boulevard Especialis, which is uh, essentially a Lancero. I think its actual name is the uh, Deliciados. So it's a little bit, yeah, a little bit longer, seven and a half inches instead of seven and an eighth. Um, extremely rare cigar from the 70s, uh, maybe the 80s. Cuban cigar. There are some photos of that cigar in this encyclopedia uh, that I was mentioning that show 
all of the bands of this bundle that the the author has um, as being almost bleached, even though they were kept inside of a sealed foil package inside of a box um, in a humidor for 35 years. Um, and the reason for it is that the, the tobacco was so oily that it had essentially just bleached the band from the oils. It had saturated that band. So huh. I was curious if uh, the the band that you have right there might be showing some of the signs of the bleaching. Um, maybe so. It is. I mean, it looks as if it just rolled off the line today. It's wide as can be. Hmm. Well, that also <clears throat> reminds me of, um, I think someone on the forum, maybe Smoking Steve on the forum, uh, was talking about a re-release of that cigar in the last 10 years or so, and I told him I would go look for that to see if I had any extras to share with him. Um, and I never got back to him, but I did check, and I don't have any extras. So I can't share any of those, Steve, if you're listening to this, or if it wasn't Steve and it was someone else, I'm talking to you. So <laughs> I'll use the show as my own personal messenger service because it's half mine. <laughs> You know this 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 wrapper. See, I uh, put it into the notes that it was smooth and dry feeling, but now that I'm holding it, smoking it, it does feel a little bit oily. It's not as dry as I thought when I first took this out this afternoon. Hmm. It's not it's not just oozing, but it's I can feel it. I mean, there's a little bit of lubrication there. Hmm. It well. is impeccably rolled though see that's interesting about mine i would say that mine uh my wrapper <clears throat> it telegraphs some of the little capillaries of the leaf a little more than i recall and it's a thicker leaf definitely um than what you've got on that claro but uh yeah i, I don't I necessarily say that i have a reaction one way or another to the apparent construction just yeah. looks gorgeous this is not stretched so that you can see through it but it, you can definitely see what's underneath you can see all the nicks and crannies and bumps hmm. well my cigar started out stronger than i recall not much complexity i'm halfway through it and i'm starting to get into a little bit of a uh, I don't think we were talking about it on the show. I think we were talking about it beforehand. But the blue, the HR blue line, um, uh, it has a, a really distinct, like, sugary, cookie sweetness to it. Um, and I'm getting that, just starting to get that as I'm entering the, the middle of this cigar. I probably have four inches left, smoked it down two inches or so. And uh, uh, it is starting to evolve a touch away from that little bit harder, a little bit stronger uh, profile that it had in the beginning than I, more than I was expecting at least. Yeah. This one, uh, I guess I'm a little over an inch into it at this point. Um, but it's it's still well, very much like I described it six minutes ago or whatever. <laughs> but it is um, in focusing. It seems, you know, when you first light a cigar, there's a little this and a little that. It maybe seems a little frenetic, like there's some flavors that are there, but then the next puff they're not. And, and, but this is kind of consolidating into the meat of the smoke. It, it's it's still that clean, a little bit bright or crisp, 
but not really crisp. Uh, heavy on the bacon spice. That's that's definitely the bread and butter of this cigar for me so far. Hmm. Well, <clears throat> I hear we've got an interesting news story today. Shall we kind of kind of break into the news and take this show into the next uh, the next gear here? Uh-oh, you're muted. Yep, I said, yeah, we better jump into something or it's going to be Sunday before we wrap this thing up. <laughs> yeah, yeah we're, we're an hour and a half after when we normally start, and we're 20 minutes into the show, I think. <laughs> yeah. So, when was it? Was it? Did this all happen yesterday or the day before? I guess it's yesterday. I'd have to go back and look. It's kind of been a blur in the past 24, 36 hours. Um, but um, the powers that be at IPCPR decided to do a Facebook Live little video blurb and announce something that they were not really announcing. That makes no sense, but that's kind of what happened. Um, basically said they were they were basically n- announcing that they were going to announce something, going to have a press conference, press release. Uh, on the 28th, which I guess a week from today. Before you get into it, uh-huh. I have, <clears throat> after you and I spoke saying that there was a pretty fun uh, or interesting uh, uh, news item, I wanted my reaction to be on the show, so I don't know what this is. You are <laughs> catching me. You are going to catch me with the first uh, run-through of how I how I behave with this bad boy. Oh, okay. I see what you did there. Yeah, he's you like that? Yeah, not really, but we'll go with it. <laughs> <You're> such a... <laughs> uh... Yeah, I'm just messing with you. So they had this little announcement that an announcement was going to come. And you know there are two or three cigar news outlets, cigar media folks who really go the extra mile and chasing things down. So it didn't take 20 minutes of folks digging through trademark searches and, and, and whatnot through governmental sites to kind of start to piece together what was going on. And a firestorm was let go, mostly amongst retailers who didn't know what was going on. And suddenly there was news coming out that hadn't been verified, but it looked to be true. And there were people that had dug this up on this side and found this and that. And so the the gist of it is the IPCPR will be changing names again. Uh, those who have been around for a long time know that, what, 10 or 12 years ago, it, it changed names to IPCPR from RTDA, which it had been for 70 years or more. Um it will become between now and next year, and this is going to be really talked about in depth at the opening of the trade show next week. But um, what has come out thus far, the name is changing. It's going to be the Premium Cigar Association. Uh, so, you know, people initially are like, what the heck? You took the word retailer and pipes out of this. What does that mean? And it doesn't mean they're taking those things out, they're changing the name. They are, and they have a logo that has been now turned up through the trademark searches. Um, 
they haven't really confirmed a whole lot, but the news has been trickling out. And, and, and if you want the full story, you can go to the sites that really are in, into reporting on the news that half wheel has an article about it. Cigar coop has an article about it. Cigar aficionado has even published something about it. Um, they kind of had the, the early story and everybody else took their story and ran with it and dug around to get more detail. But one of the things that has caused such a hubbub is another name they had uh, asked for, applied for, received, and or received was Cigar Con. And those of you in various circles know the cons, the Mega Con, the Comic Con, all those cons. There's a Cigar Con coming now next year, which will include a consumer day at the trade show, which was pretty big news. I mean, the, the idea was proposed five or six years ago and immediately yeah. just met such resistance and, and hubbub and grief that it it just vaporized. It was like, we're not, no, we're not even going to deal with that. There's too much, but, but that's back. And that appears to pierce that that's going to happen. There are many folks in the industry that really don't want that to happen. And the Facebook posts from those folks have gotten very bold, (laughs) adamantly opposed. But I think really what seems to be, this is just me talking, talking out of turn, undoubtedly. But what seems to be the bigger issue for a lot of folks is that they want to put the consumer day on the front end and have that be day one of the show, which is the big day of trading for most companies. And to have that be a consumer day rather than the normal um, the, the the normal big day of trading for retailers and manufacturers, and there's of course all of the corollary things that you know with the new regulations about uh, a prohibition on distributing samples. How do you handle that if if a consumer pays whatever it's called IPCPR PCA if they pay PCA a a, a price. They're not really buying the cigars because the manufacturer be giving it to them. Are they going to split these money up with the manufacturers? Are they going to somehow make this easier for retailers to do it? What has happened is by putting this little stupid Facebook video up that said a whole lot of nothing, they have caused chaos within the community and nobody has any answers and everybody's upset on, on either side of this particular issue and so now everybody's got to wait a week to see what the the actual story is well i will correct something that you just said there sure everybody is not pissed about this oh that's true okay that's true i'm mentioning a lot of consumers are not pissed about it Uh, i'll tell you what i'm not going to go to the show but i think this is a fabulous idea yeah you know why why the industry is dying (laughs) get over yourself mr retailer who doesn't like it realize that the industry as a whole needs something to spark itself get people involved at the largest gathering that you have so that way you can make a concerted effort to unify people's knowledge and passion for this hobby or lifestyle 
I understand maybe you don't want them on the first day. No, get them on the first day. So the retailer has a better idea of what the consumer is truly interested in. Fine, Mr. Retailer, you don't want them there on that day? All right, you know what? You can go day two. All right, I understand you might lose out on some things, so you really want to go day one. Or you might miss out on some deals, so you really want to go day one. I get it. But let the consumers that are there, the truly passionate people who travel across the country to do this, be a a, a beta test for what's automatically going to sell on your shelves. I understand that you probably feel like you know the palates of your consumers. I'm sure you have a really, really good idea about what that is. But no one in their right mind is going to say that they know it at an infallible level. Use this. Recognize that it's something that we can benefit from if we stop being crotchety and used to what it always has been and not wanting it to change. Change is going to happen. It's already happening whether you want it to or not. The Food and Drug Administration is going to kill this industry a slow death of a thousand cuts if we don't try to evolve. I think this is a fabulous idea. I think it's going to be a cluster F if you've ever seen one, and that's exactly what we need it to be. We need people to be clamoring over something and some retailers not able to get something because it's going to make them want to come back next year to make sure that they don't miss out. And it's going to drum something up in the consumer base that that's going to spread the word a little sooner. And things are going to bubble up and boil and simmer until a product is going to be available. And it's going to be from a consumer's perspective that that hype is generated, not from the retailer. The big smoke that Cigar Aficionado used to tour the country and do was a pretty good example of doing that. That was for consumers. I understand it wasn't retailers. Nobody was taking orders at that. But it it allowed consumers to get a little jazzed about something. And the savvy retailer paid attention to that, went as a consumer themselves, and understood what people might be more interested in or what the direction of the industry was going. I think it's a great idea. Yeah. If I'm a big fan of brick-and-mortar shops. However, there's still a tobacco shop in St. Pete, Florida that can't get together an email list for their customers. Forget anything else, a website, and they can't generate. I mean, they've collected these, these addresses for years and done nothing with them. If nothing else, the bigger retailers can use this as an opportunity to data mine the immediate impact of the the show. What 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 is it that you need to be bringing in for the next several months or a year? Yeah. What is it that they want? And and putting aside all the dollars and sales, which are of course primary. How many things have been tried and failed to generate a little bit of a dissemination of information to consumers in the cigar industry? And I'm sorry, I love CRA, but throwing a handful of pamphlets on the counter just ain't working. And so 99% of the guys that walk into a cigar shop have zero idea what's about to happen in the next couple of years with cigars. And I I regretfully would say that a big portion of the retailers don't either. Use it as an opportunity to reach out to these people because the people that will spend the money 
to go to Las Vegas and buy what will undoubtedly be a very expensive ticket to a cigar event just to get to meet manufacturers and hang out and see what's new and treat it like a boat show or a car show and get all the new information. Those are the guys that are really into it that may actually be motivated to be a little bit more a part of talking about this legislation and doing the things that need to be done to contact whoever politically. Because so far, I just haven't seen. I mean, there's been some successes. CRA has a lot of members, but there's so much duplication of effort of doing the, you know, we take the same first step every year. Yeah. We take the same first step every session of Congress. There's nothing, nothing is growing. Nothing is, is snowballing from that. And I, I think that would be a good opportunity where you have all those people together that clearly are quote unquote into cigars. They're not the casual guy that's just cruising through a shop to buy a handful of cigars to give out at a wedding. The guys that are going to have that, that, that are going to accept that kind of expense to be a part of the show, to come out and even just to spend a day. Those are the guys that may be a little more motivated to be a little more involved. So take advantage of that. Have freaking FDA instructional seminar for an hour after the show or the next morning or, or, or whatever. Add something to it because I think a lot of people would attend that if they're already there and we're not reaching them across the counter with a pamphlet in cigar stores. What's the What's the best part about IPCPR for you? I don't know. I haven't been in three years. I haven't been since 2010, probably. It's, so it's it's always the after the show. The you mean the the after hours? Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Now those after hours are going to include buyers, not yeah. not not retailers, but people who that retailer can sell to. Yeah, and and we tend to think of retailers as the guys that are buying all the cigars, but they can't buy anything they're not going to sell. I mean, <laughs> every cigar a retailer buys needs to be sold, and they need to be sold to these guys that we're talking about right now. Yeah, it, it's like a it's like a the S chip tax. You know, that's not the retailer or the manufacturer or the wholesaler who's paying that tax. That's you, the end user, who's paying that tax. The retailer goes to IPCPR to buy something. He's not buying it. He's putting money down to hold it for you to buy it. I mean, it, this is a relationship that that starts and stops with the, the consumer. And I think that this industry needs to be more cognizant of that. You know, it's not 2009 anymore when we need to complain about Internet press being at the uh, IPCPR. This 2009? Is- <laughs> still complaining every year right now. I I think 2009 was the first year you get press badges for an internet no. uh, thing is what I mean. And I might be off on that. It might even be earlier, but either uh, way, still complaining today. Uh, guys, get over yourself, man. I mean, you're going to you're going to squabble over these scraps when there's a whole dinner that you can be going after. Don't complain about the little crap. Golly, just, they drive me crazy. So many things about this industry drive me crazy. I'm a Cuban, and I can't stand half the personalities of the Cubans in this industry. I have worked at retail shops. I think 
the largest problem that needs to be fixed right away are the retailers. I am solely a consumer, and I think that your average consumer needs to try to learn something, not go there and take something. It's just a Oh man, we got a we got a, a lot of learning and a lot of evolution to have if we're going to have anything in a generation. Yeah, and that's the bigger problem is this should have happened 10 years ago. You're damn right. Yeah. Well, I'm glad to hear that we're kind of on the same uh the same page here on this one. Yeah, more or less. <laughs> Come on, rock the boat. Tell me how I'm wrong. Do it. I, I don't have a way you're wrong. I mean, you're you're preaching to the choir, man. Cool. And I, I'm not even the guy. I mean, I went to the show three years on a media pass and then realized, you know, I take a lot of crap for even being a, going from both ends, and it's just not worth the expense. People are like, oh, you, you go to the show just looking for a handout, and you get all these free cigars. No, you know what? I spent way more money than those cigars would have cost me to go buy them just to try and cover the show. It's just not yeah. worthwhile for me. Yeah. No, I hear you. I, uh, that's a really darn good point, actually. And it's like, it, <laughs> uh, it's like having skin in the game. You get a consumer to go to that. Are you kidding me? They just paid a thousand dollars to go there. It, 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 and you're complaining that a consumer paid a thousand dollars or whatever, five hundred dollars, to go to this place that you have access to them that you'll never have at another time? Come on, that's gold. A consumer is paying you, so you have the opportunity to market to them. You have the opportunity to to glean knowledge from them, information. Ah, gosh, I hate us. <laughs> I wasn't going to drink tonight either. Yeah. Yeah, right. No, I've got a tequila tasting tomorrow night, so I was trying to stay hydrated. Very <laughs> hydrated today. Because I won't be tomorrow. <laughs> oh, well. All right. Well, speaking of IPCPR, you uh, you fanboyed out earlier this week. Ah, uh, yes, I did. I still haven't come down off that yet. <laughs> Even though you kind of remember it, I, I remember it. <laughs> you know what's funny? What's that? I don't. I don't really remember your love of this cigar. I, I remember it, but I don't. I don't really, really know it. Well, that's because the 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 bulk of it was actually in the months leading up to the establishment of Half Ash. Oh, okay. About that time, 2012 ish, maybe. Well, I, with this cigar, or, well, with this information, what I remember, ugh, the cap just came off of my mouth, is so much of the, the kind of the background for this, not necessarily the cigar itself, which is really interesting. So, why don't, uh, if you, have a second why don't you tell us a little bit about the background and a little bit about the cigar here okay <laughs> uh, that's why you need to watch the video of this folks that look from kip looks like 
Uh, looked like his wife just asked him to perform a chore, a honeydew list. No, 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 no. The cigar we're talking about, folks, is the uh, Tatawahe Mexican Experiment. And this was a limited run. And if I'm remembering right, it was only available in two markets. I think that was in Florida and in somewhere in New England-ish, maybe New England in general. I was trying to look really quickly and see if I can find that information because my memory is just honestly not reliable at all. <laughs> but yeah, 200 bundles of the Toro were sent to the New England region and about 300 bundles of the Robusto for Florida. So now they got traded around. Some shops had deals with other shops and they did make their way into a few spots, but only being 500 bundles total, and I think a bundle of these was only 15 cigars, there were not just a crap ton of these cigars out there. And quite frankly, a, a, a noticeable portion of them went into my humidor at the time <laughs> because I lost my mind over these things. I loved them. And still to this day, I remember... I had a good supply. I came across another bundle of them at Charmed Leaf, which at that time was Frank Herrera's store, and I didn't buy them. And I was actually traveling back from here, from the Dominican Republic, long before I ever moved here, and I didn't buy them. And I started driving on up to Tampa, and I'm thinking about them all the way home. I got home. I called back. I'm like, hey, hey, I want to buy those. Oh, sorry. Somebody came in and bought them right after you left. And still to this day, regret that. And I do have two of them in my humidor, but I have promised them to my son when he is of age. But (laughs) But we'll see what happens there. So if I remember right, those are moderately box pressed. like Like a six and a half by 52, maybe. Something like that. Yeah, there was a Toro and a Robusto. So... Oh, okay. That's right. That's right. Um, I'm fairly certain that you can get those bands off of there and put them on another cigar <laughs> if you needed to. <laughs> Caleb, don't listen to this episode. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no attention to the man behind the curtain. <laughs> uh, hey, hey, hey. Yeah. It was uh, the Wizard of Oz, Obi-Wan Kenobi there. Yeah, I was looking here. There's not a lot of information about them. Of course, they had a Mexican San Andres wrapper. The insides were were just Nicaraguan. That's as much as it as it as it said. But oh my goodness, I fell deeply in love with that cigar. And this was at the height of when, if there was ever a moment, I would be called a fanboy of something. It was this, and, and I did not chase down. The Halloween releases, I didn't chase down any of the special things, but this cigar I chased down. I had feelers out all over both regions where they were available and tracked them down. So fast forward to this week. Uh, What was the date on that? Uh, Two, three, a few days ago. (laughs) I was trying to open the link and it says, son of a mother. That link is not available at this time. Pete Johnson posted a picture up, and 
announced that he was saying, hey, who's coming to IPCPR next week? I wanted to announce the reintroduction of the Mexican experiment, which was astounding because I talked to him in person all those years ago. I was like, hey, what are the chances of of there being some more of these? And he's like, "Eh, pretty much none. (laughs) Hmm. Crashed my dreams. But anyway, so that's a big deal. But the second portion of that post that he made said, and he also wanted to, actually, he was announcing the reintroduction of the Mexican experiment and the introduction of the full production Mexican experiment too. Now, I don't know what the two means. I don't know how different that is. I, you know, I would go so far as to assume it has a Mexican wrapper on it. Maybe the insides are a little different. Maybe the original had some leaf he can't get or can't get something suitably similar. But, you know, maybe it'll be a little different. I don't know. But regardless, I, I'm freaking excited. I'm just crapping bricks over here over this. I'm I'm they're going to make it out sometime in the not too distant future, knowing that something hopefully very similar is going to be regular production. I'm all over it, man. I, I, I have not bought five cigars in the past 12 months, but I will make a way to get some of these at some point. Very hmm. soon. So I just scanned your review of this cigar on halfash.com. Thanks, still exist. From June eighteenth, two thousand and twelve, this cigar was released approximately June first, two thousand and twelve. Well, there you go. So, so and that was seven months before Half Fashed existed. That was actually a cigar me review. I guess that got imported. Yeah, yeah, must have been imported. So, um, I did not see any information about the blend in here, other than exactly pardon me what you just said uh the san andres over nicaraguan uh filler and binder so wow eight dollars a cigar only yeah that was seven years ago yeah i know but that's that's a pretty nice little deal uh it's a good review kip you're a little verbose in uh, <laughs> things like talking about how well the cigar took the flame, how easily it lit. Um, took the flame? Did I really say took the flame? The cigar took flame well, lightly, lighting easily across the entire foot. Um, no, you do a good job of describing it. I, uh, I, I'm actually intrigued by how you have described it. I do like San Andres. Uh, it, it's not been one of those leaves that I've ever, I mean, I'm sure I've had a box or two with a San Andres wrapper, but I can't quite recall them, but I do really enjoy, uh, a lot of the cigars that have a San Andres wrapper to them thinking about it. So I do too. You remember what was that other cigar? I had you chase down a Midwest something that had, uh, is that a Miami cigar stick had a San Andreas wrapper on it? That was when I learned about oh. Chicago taxes. <laughs> <laughs> it's a three dollar cigar, and you bought a box, and it was two hundred and eighty dollars. Yeah, it was some like what the heck? <laughs> uh, yeah, I uh, I remember buying those for you. That was a really fun exchange over 
text telling you how expensive it was and what you were getting. I've never heard you swear that much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't remember what that cigar was that, that uh, I was buying for you, but I do remember doing it. I think it was a Nestor Miranda of some kind. Had a son Oh, tracker. yeah. Yeah, you're right. It was. Wow. Tumor be damned. Good memory. I don't remember specifically what it was called, but I'm pretty sure it had a San Andreas wrapper on it. Mm. Well, um, yeah. Yeah, it was a regional of some sort. I don't know if it was Chicago or just Midwest, but I think it was Midwest, yeah. Hmm. Um Yeah, I'm I'm excited about this. Yeah. You should be. <laughs> <laughs> yes, sir. I hope everybody enjoys the sound of my lighter relighting this stick. Click, 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 click. Uh, well, I've got a, it's, you know, put this in the category of things you don't need to know. Uh, Jetline, what the heck are these things knockoffs of? I don't know. I don't know. Uh, blazers, blazer lighter. Or Jetline is a knockoff of a blazer. And it won't light on its own, even though it still has a spark and it's got a bunch of great fuel. So I always have to light it off of another lighter. <laughs> and then it only gives me a soft flame. Oh, nice. So it works out very well. well but it's a soft blue flame. All my expensive lighters that I moved here with and was so happy with it quickly died. But this little... $11 Z-plus torch insert that goes into a Zippo case. It's still been trucking all these years, but it is finally starting to kind of... Oh, yeah. It's just got about half the normal flame, even on a full fill. So I may have to pick up a couple of those and hide them in suitcases this time around when we visit the States and hopefully get back with at least one of them. Yeah. Yeah, it's about time you treated yourself to a $12 item. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, done with news. Not too much going on. Just a couple uh, fun stories we talked about. What do you got on that cigar, big guy? Um, still a lot of the same, but it has a little bit more of the crispness to it. And I know it's not a Connecticut wrapper, but it's that kind of Christmas crispness. Um, not too heavy, but it it. it it's definitely there, and it's more prevalent, more prominent than it was early on. Still very, very, very middle of the road in terms of strength. Um, I'm not quite halfway through it, but getting close to it. And no no noticeable impact from the, the strength at all. Um, hmm. Still good. Still maybe... There's not much way for me to say this without sounding negative, and I don't, but it's one of those things where it has taken a step on a road that if followed to its logical conclusion, it may have become a little bitter, but it's not bitter right now, but I feel like it could go that way, but mm. it's still right now very pleasant, uh, very enjoyable. Got no complaints at all. I, I hope that's as far as it goes in that direction, but I guess we'll see over the next four inches. Has it has it gotten any of that kind of bready yeasty sweetness? I think I remember that one having it. Maybe maybe a little more of the sweetness, a little not so much of the breadiness, not so no. much. No. Yeah, I, I think I might need to 
to seek some of those out, those Claros. I, I remember I, I just need to always have a steady supply of these, just just two or three of each Vitola. I don't go through them that often. Hell, I don't go through cigars that often, uh, as often as I would like, but yeah, it'd just be really nice to have these. I, uh, I am always pleased with them. You know, I might be kind of a fun thing to do. Do you think you could make a list of five or six or eight cigars that uh, would offer you enough variation that you probably wouldn't have to uh, expand beyond that in an emergency? Pardon me. Yeah, I could probably come up with that just if for no other reason than I've been smoking the pipe about 80% of the time lately. Well, okay, that's a that's a cheater's way out. <laughs> yeah. Do you think that you could kind of span the 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 available spectrum of cigar flavors in a half a dozen different cigars and keep yourself pretty satisfied? The, I, I do, you know, um, and I do now more so than ever at any point in the past. 26 years of cigar smoking. Uh, I always kind of played the field in the past. I had a few favorites, but I I like to try everything new. And I've kind of gotten over that these days where a handful of good standards makes me happy. Yeah. I don't want to be the guy who always smokes up in number twos for the rest of his life. I am not, I'm not looking to be that guy. But I think that if push came to shove, I could probably make a list of six or eight cigars um, and uh, and go to town with those. Have a couple sizes in each cigar. You know, I could probably do the the HR Blue and the HR White as two of those. They are really exceptional cigars. That, uh, that'd be a fun thing. What else would be on there? I definitely have some Ramonionis on there. Uh, no doubt about that. Oh, I'd probably uh, Cabaguan Maduro Guapos. <laughs> well, that's a different cigar every time. <laughs> I mean, I could just have Cabaguan Maduros and never know that it was the same cigar. Uh, oh, gosh. What would some other ones be? Hmm. Oh, I'd, I'd have to. I guess if you're going to daydream about a list, you can make the list filled with any rare or weird cigar you wanted, but trying to stay away from that that would be a fun list to make yeah, yeah if i, I put that on the forum pick some standards i think i would throw the aquitaine in there i like that a lot and like a lot like it would be i could have a very short list with that cigar because i can reach for roman craft aquitaine in that side of the vidola i can never remember the name that i switched to on your recommendation because i had been smoking the anthropology which was like a Corona Gorda and switched to the one you recommended. And uh, dang it, if I didn't like it more, I think that's my bread and butter these days. Mm. The Tatuaje Black, I could put on there. I could smoke mm. those all the time. That's a good one. Yeah, that's a good one, definitely. And I'm still a sucker for a Don Carlos, number three in particular. Um, although I like the Presidente in that line too. It's a big cigar, but I really like it. Yeah, if I if I wanted to uh, include a um, a, a Fuente, I'd be I think I'd be hard pressed to go between an Añejo and a Casa Cuba. 
I, ooh, the Casa Cuba. Yeah, that's a that's just a that's a flipping brilliant cigar. It really, really is. Yeah. I'd have El Rey del Mundos on there, Cuban El Rey del Mundos. That'd be my you know? That'd be my sweet, mild cigar, definitely. Those little bitty San Cristobal. San Cristobal. Cuban cigars are tiny little are they Principes? Little bitty guys. El Principe, yep. I really like those a lot too. You know what else I like? I like Ume d'Amor from Illusion. Oh yeah, yeah. Heck yeah. Yeah, those would be a, a really good one to have on that list too. I you know, I might forego Oh, I I got one more from my what else I've been smoking. I might forego the Fume de Moore and do uh, uh, the ECCJ. Yeah. That's fan flipping tastic or about whatever. They re released that. Those, right? What? About to be another one of those, right? Yes, sir. Um, I, do, do I remember right that they're going to make that a regular production too? I think so, maybe. Which is strange because that's what the, the Epernay is, but I don't know. Um, yeah, maybe I go Epernay or the Fume de Fume de More, whatever. I don't. I don't know. speak it's, France. It's, yeah, it's French. I don't know that. Yeah, yeah, right, yeah. I took four years of French and don't know any of it much. I took a wife who speaks French. That's enough for me. <laughs> I, um, can, I can do a little Spanish now, but that's about it. <laughs> uh. Oh, man, all right, I'm, that's going on. Everybody, go to halfash.com. That uh, that thread will be up there. That'll be a fun one to see what what our regulars think. I think I got a pretty good idea what most of them would want to do, or at least a few of the cigars that most of them would want to do. But I'd be up for the surprises. I <laughs> actually exchanged messages with somebody on the forum this week whose name I won't say because he specifically said he wasn't going to post this because there's too much negativity in the world. But he had a Casa Fuente this week <clears throat> that apparently was just horrific. It huh. like split and fell apart and tasted bad. It was just a terrible experience for him. Man, I have only had good experiences with Casa Fuentes. Yeah, I like them, but not as much as most folks. For for my money, I would. I would buy other Fuentes and play something, except maybe those Lanceros. I like those quite a bit. Well, those are pretty darn tasty. Oh, man, the Don Carlos Lancero. Boy. I've not <laughs> had... <laughs> it's been a lot of years since I've had one of those, and I got to tell you, that that's up way, way up there at the top. I have heard my friends talk about their first sexual encounter with less passion than what you just had about that cigar. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Again, another reason to watch the video. Kip was in another world for about three tenths of a second, fluttering his eyelids, head going back, big deep breath. Just happened. The Lancero. Mm. All right. Well, we'll we'll uh, that'll be it to be continued at halfash.com. That'll be a fun one. All right, so cigars doing well um, for me. Mine is uh, kind of getting away from that complexity again. Uh, pardon me. It had that that um, uh, brilliant middle, 
and I think having to relight uh, may have uh, may have tamped that out a little bit. But we'll uh, we'll see if it comes back in this final third. I'm I'm entering that now, definitely. Well, we'll talk about what else we've been smoking. Yeah, yeah. I uh, I have one that uh, I need to smack you around a little bit for recommending to me today, but. Uh, <laughs> well, uh, look and, at the options you gave me. Well, I've never had the uh, uh, the alternative, so I thought it was worth bringing up. Uh, I today I did some show prep this morning, afternoon, something like that, um, with the Quesada 40th anniversary uh, robusto. Beautiful cigar. Good gracious, this thing's black as night and as smooth as silk. And rolled as as uh, as beautifully as a Renaissance fresco. This thing is just a work of art. Gorgeous. Lit the cigar up, and it was one note for about two and a half inches. And this thing was a robusto. One note, boring, not overly strong, uh, and had a gorgeous oh inch inch and a quarter. And then it got a little uh, little tannic and a little little heavy for me, and it was not at all worth uh smoking i was really upset i i have enjoyed a lot of the quesada products the last five years um this one just didn't do it for me that's unfortunate a a, a little really generic uh a little too much really generic richness it tasted rich um heavy although it wasn't a super full-bodied cigar but just heavy in that there was just a lot of substance to it, you know, like a cigar that if I could be so bold, should have been aged for 10 more years. Yeah. It's the red icing of cigar world. (laughs) (laughs) You know what I'm talking about? Uh, No, but that's just a funny analogy to make. The cake icing, the red icing is horrible. It is so insanely rich. It's, it's like so much sweetness. It's bitter. It's just saccharin. It's just I I can't stand red cake icing, and it, it's too too much of a good thing. I I am not a an icing or a frosting guy generally. I uh, I like my chocolate frosting. A chocolate buttercream is good for me. Uh. <sighs> Well, it looks like I'll be finishing the rest of the show on my own because I don't no, think no, Kim no. can speak to me. No, uh, that's a rabbit trail. Uh, I don't know. I love this country and the people in it, but they can't make cake icing for shit. <laughs> I think I have heard you swear on half ash maybe three times. <laughs> Maybe three times. And well, the most recent entry into that book is about cake icing. Dominican cake icing. It's not buttercream icing. It's marshmallow-based icing. And it's sticky and gooey. And it doesn't taste very great. And it doesn't hold up to the weather. You make a cake with that stuff here and, and have it outdoors like at a wedding. And we were at some friend's 50th wedding anniversary celebration there was this big cake and the thing started out like this but as the ceremony's going on it's just over and over it was we were just waiting 
because the oh, thing no. was just the whole cake was just melting and, and they finally got to it and were able to cut some out before it failed. <laughs> it, it, and oh my gosh, you give kids cupcakes and there's this sticky goo that you can't clean off anything all over everything in five <laughs> minutes. Well, that settles it. I'm never eating cake in the Dominican. That sounds horrid. That is a good philosophy to have around. <laughs> Uh, all right. Well, my second cigar that I've smoked since our last recording was, uh, well, that I want to talk about at least, is an Illusion ECCJ. I had one of the remaining ECCJs from the 20th anniversary of uh, that magazine, um, which I think they're now on the 25th anniversary, if I recall correctly. I believe you're correct. Um and the the twentieth was right as rain, just what you want it to be. Everything about that cigar that uh, uh, carved out a niche um, when it was released initially. It uh, was complex, spicy, nice baking sweetness. It was almost like an herbal tea, or not an herbal tea, like a a black tea flavor that that just balanced out any bit of that spiciness that would ever approach too much nice bready yeasty flavor just every bit of complexity and and indulgent sweetness without being too rich that a cigar could have really really damn good cool that's uh well i got a couple of things on here first the Peterson and this is a pipe tobacco. Peterson and Sorensen Scottish blend. Here for those who look at the video, it's this, and hmm. this as as a, a again as a preface. <clears throat> this is not Peterson that you know with Peterson pipes or whatever. This is Peterson E N and Sorensen. And <clears throat> let me just read. The, the tin description on this says it's a full aromatic mixture, red flag number one, ready rubbed, aged Virginia tobaccos, and fermented black Cavendish, red flag number two, with fruity and vanilla flavor, red flag number three. Give a delightful smoke, utter BS. Uh, yeah. The whole world who knows me knows I don't care for aromatic blends, but somehow I ended up with a tin of this in my cellar. I apparently bought it in June of 2008. No idea where, when, or why, but it was there. So it made its way down here through one of the various folks I've had mule tobacco down. And there's, you know, some old wives' tales, uh, stereotypes, whatever, have some basis in reality and some don't. And so I like to question those sometimes. And one of them in the pipe world is that aromatic pipe tobaccos don't age. So they age, but the, the thinking behind it is they don't change much. And, and it turns out that's pretty true, at least in my experience. And it could be for any number of different reasons. This one does not say it has burly in it. Cavendish or Cavendish, depending on how you want to pronounce it. 
sometimes it's burly. Sometimes it's, it could be anything that actually is a treatment of the tobacco, not the tobacco leaf. Um, Cavendish. Mm-hmm. I didn't know uh, that. Yeah. It's usually steamed and sweetened with something, usually just a sugar concoction or syrupy kind of thing. But anyway, the thing behind it is it often aromatic tobaccos use inferior leaf because they're going to slather it full of artificial flavors and it doesn't really matter how good the tobacco is. That is sometimes the case. It's not a counterpoint to that is autumn evening from Cornell and deal. They use delightful tobacco and use a light hand to put a maple kind of flavor on it. And it, it is one of just two or three aromatics that I actually would smoke and keep around if I were disposed. Anyway, this tobacco, uh, you know, it's 11 years, at least 11. I don't know how old it was when I bought it. You can see the sticker on there, $4.95. You can't buy very many tins of tobacco for that these days. But, um, I was trying to look on the back. It doesn't really tell much more. And, uh, you know, the flavoring kind of covers up any any real flavor changes in the leaf itself. And and, and Burley, if, if Burley is a dominant player in the blend, Burley doesn't have a lot going on inherently beyond some nuttiness. Um, it tends to absorb what's around it rather than provide something itself. And I'm painting with a broad brush, so don't write me any nasty emails because you love Burley because I don't really care. <laughs> um, anyway, this I popped this thing open this week. First off, it's very wet. And for tobacco to be that wet, even in this sealed tin for 11 years, tells me it probably had a good dose of propylene glycol on it to start with, um, which doesn't help its burning characteristics any. It burnt my tongue. It the, the flavoring was very heavy, very cloying. It was just too much. This, it says fruity and vanilla flavor. It, that's, that's a good descript, descriptor of it. Um, it just ain't my thing. I put in the notes, my, my simple description of this was just nope. Because uh, that's kind of how I felt about it. I did not care for this blend at all. And, and I would not have even mentioned it, except this is my one and only time ever trying this. Like I said, I don't know when, where, or why. Oh, I do know when. I don't know where or why I bought it. But it ended up in my tobacco. And, yeah, I won't be, won't ever be trying this again. <clears throat> I did not care for it at all. The the flavoring was just too much. It was too wet, especially for something that's been around that long. Um, didn't burn well, didn't taste well. It got a good bit of bitterness toward the end that mixed in with that sweet fruitiness and just wasn't, wasn't great. And uh, I don't know what actually to do with the rest of this tin of tobacco. I, I, I tried it three times. I went through three small bowls of this and, I'll find somebody who likes aromatics and give it to them, I suppose. I'm just not not into it. Not my thing. Hmm. Anywho, what else I got on here? This, I opened up this tin of Abingdon, which is another Greg Peace blend I've talked about regularly because this is one of my favorites. Uh, favorites of his of all time. You know, not a secret. I'm a fanboy. I like 80% or more of his blends. Um, I dig them and I dig this one top three between this and Charing Cross and maybe Black Point 
and maybe a couple more. I'm just a huge fan. And this is recent production within the past year. Uh, the sticker's gone off the bottom, but I know it's very, very recent. There's no age on it, less than a year. Uh, still fantastic. Man, I love this stuff. Day one at a year, at three years, at five years, I've now smoked it, I guess, going on 15 years. I've got tens of this going back to 2004, and it's just Oof. freaking amazing tobacco. I love it. It's, it's very heavy, very heavy on La Taquilla, um, very smoky, very campfire kind of flavor <clears throat> when it's young. And after about five years, this stuff is just um, surreal. It, it's just amazing. Uh, it, the Virginias that are in the background when it's young really, really come out and throw their weight around and, and put some sweetness into it. It's just not there when it's young. <clears throat> but after uh, five years in the tin, this is some amazing stuff. So anybody out there that's building a cellar that enjoys a good solid English slash Balkan style blend. This is one that I would highly recommend to put some aside, uh, like more than you can smoke right away and, and, and do that thing, man, smoke it at a year, smoke it at six months, smoke it at three years, smoke it at five, just enjoy the crap out of it. Cause I think it's, it's not the same tin though. No, 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 no. That's why I said more than you can smoke soon. <laughs> just, just open a tin and smoke it till it's gone. But yeah. Keep some around. It's worth it. I have yet to see that in a local retailer, which is a shame. Yeah, it's out there. Um, Smokingpipes.com always has it. Oh, I'm I'm sure I can find it somewhere. It's just, you know, when I when I stop in shops, I'm always looking at their pipe tobacco now, uh, which is a a new habit of mine that I quite enjoy, uh, and I have not seen that. Knowing how fondly you have spoken of it throughout the years. I'm looking back here. I think I even have. Yeah, I have some right here from March of 2004. This will be the next tin I open after this recently. (laughs) I thought you were going to point to the Scottish blend like, I I need to recharge my batteries and smoke something (laughs) that's actually good. (laughs) Well, I have one more. Yeah, the the last one that you've got. I'm interested in this. I don't know uh, it. Yeah, I am at the. I am concurrently talking and trying to scrape the ash off the end of my cigar because I let it go out from rattling my jaw too much. But uh, I had a, a couple of cigars uh, recently that my friend Nick had made a trip back to the states. He had a friend, actually the guy he used to work for, who got married and. They had their wedding in Key West. It was the coolest thing. They actually rented out Hemingway's house for the event, which is just awesome to me. Mm. Um, but they had a cigar roller there. And I'm not sure where this this company's based. Where they, I, I know nothing about them except the band on it said Rodriguez Cigars. And it's not Lou Rod. It's not Lou Rodriguez. Um, they brought a couple of those back. And one was a, uh, maybe a Toro, maybe slightly longer, smaller than a Churchill, um, that had a very light uh, Connecticut-looking wrapper on it. And it was very good. It was very clean, but it had what I would call a bit of a Nicaraguan flair to it. 
Hmm. But just, just a little bit. It's still a fairly mild cigar, but very good. And then a smaller Robusto-ish one, but it, I guess a small Bellicoso. It had a, a, a pointed head on it, but it was roughly 5 by 50 um, That one was exceptional. It was very, very good. It had a little more, a little more potency to it, a little bolder flavor. It may have been a little too woodsy for you, uh, for your your range of preference, mm-hmm. uh, but I really liked it. And like I said, I don't know anything about these folks um, or where I might encounter them again. But if I do, I think I would pick up a few of them. They were really good, and they were rolling them at the wedding. But they had brought a supply to to hand out as well because I guess there were going to be more people than they could actively roll for on the spot. Hmm. Uh, so Nick got a few while he was there and brought them back. And I was the benefactor and really enjoyed them. What did you know any of the, any of the representatives that uh, of the blend that you were told about, or were you not told anyone? I was not told. I I know nothing about the blend even. All I have is the name off the band and he didn't really know anything more either. But the thing, you know, the thing is the thing. (laughs) <laughs> many times when I encountered these small operations where it's a handful of folks or one guy or a couple of guys and they're rolling cigars at an event and they do this kind of thing, that's their business. They say, we do weddings, we do whatever, we roll cigars. Too many times what I find is they, being the small guy, they're at the mercy of whoever they're buying tobacco from. And whoever they're buying tobacco from knows I'm going to sell this guy a bale a year. I don't really care. Uh, it's not that important. I'm not going to sell him my best stuff that I could sell to the guy that's going to buy a hundred bells a year. from me. Absolutely. And so too often when I come across this kind of cigar from this, this size of an operation, the tobacco is, it's kind of faded. It's kind of dull. It's kind of muddled. It's not, really thought out in the sense that we think of a a blender really putting in the time and effort and trouble and having the resources to kind of tie all that together and create something polished, something that's a really good cigar. It it seems too often that these guys being at the mercy of who they're buying tobacco from get leaf that may not be the best. And so they just have to use what they got. And, and, uh, I, hate to say it, but too many times I've, I've gotten these kinds of cigars and just be like, eh, okay, it's a cigar, but where's the, where's the, where's a good cigar? Because this is not it. But these were actually very good cigars. I, I, they were rolled well. They tasted good. They, the, the, the leaf was good from all appearances in, in flavor anyway. I, they did a good job. And I'm sorry I don't know more about them. Well, they are a 35-year-old cigar factory in Key West. Okay. There you go. <clears throat> um, I mean, I'm not really seeing names uh, on their website, but um, they have a, <laughs> a nice website, beautiful bands on their cigars. Uh, taste something l- funny. What? Uh, when Nick was talking to him. Uh, that they were, yeah, I'm, I'm at their website. That is the exact fan. Um, it sounded as if the cigars they had, like not that they were not rolling on the spot, were actually uh-huh. coming from Nicaragua. <laughs> oh, really? Mm-hmm. 
Oh, well. Well, that's all right. I, I mean, just because they have a factory in uh, uh, Key West doesn't necessarily mean that that's where all their cigars have to come from. Otherwise, right. Pepin with his Miami factory would be in a in a different situation. But, but uh, either way, I I have had there's no small number of quote unquote little guys in the Keys that roll cigars, and I think I've tried most all of them over the past twenty years. I mean. Christy and I used to do a lot of diving and fishing and we spent a lot of time in the Keys and that meant I spent a lot of time trying cigars from those guys. And I don't recall ever having any that I enjoyed as much as these two. Hmm. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. These, the, their vintage series, which is what they've had for all 35 years is an Ecuadorian Abano uh wrapper over Nicaraguan binder and Nicaraguan and Dominican filler leaf. Uh let's see. Boy, they look like I mean they look like just a bench rolled cigar. No cap, just a, a pigtailed uh head to it. Oh these these did not have pigtails, they were capped. Uh this is their what they call the the vintage uh gotcha. but they've got three other lines looks like yeah, nice website, beautiful presentation. Look like a million yeah. bucks. The bigger light colored one, I think, is what's on their website as the private reserve. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I may the other one may have been a Maduro because it, it was considerably darker and looks like the same band. Hmm. Cool. Always interesting to hear about a new cigar. Yeah, they were you good. know how much I love them. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. We uh, we have reached the end. Do you have any other final thoughts on the Iroche Robenia? No, except um, this motorcycle get by. <laughs> the fury and hatred and heat of a thousand suns is what you yeah. <laughs> cast towards all of them every time they drive by. That guy's just going home from work. That's fine. But, uh, <laughs> 2.30 in the morning, here in a couple hours, there's going to be four or five of them decide to have races around the neighborhood. <laughs> you know what you need to do? You just need to go buy a thing of water balloons. <laughs> just a water balloon. It's not going to hurt anybody. It might even make them chuckle. Water balloons, nothing. I'm thinking those police st- strips you throw out the street. Yeah. <laughs> no, because then he'll be out front revving his engine trying to drive on uh, on rims. Oh, I'm not putting in front of my house. (laughs) (laughs) All right. What you got on the HR, buddy? Um, I think maybe it has not progressed down that trail of bitterness. It actually is is holding together well. And I am now down to approximately, I got about three and a quarter inches left out of the original seven and a quarter. So it's holding up well. It's still very clean on the palate, uh, not really polluting at all. The strength is not picked up, which is fine by me. I'm not a strength fiend. I'm not a nicotine kind of guy. It whips me. I fully admit being a wuss, and this one's not bothering me at all. No no ill effects whatsoever. Uh, the flavor is still nice and clean. It's still heavy on the bacon spice. It's not one that's going to just delight you with 
feeling like it's a different cigar every 15 minutes. It's, it's, it's kind of a one trick pony, but it's a good trick. So I'm okay with that. Um, Hmm. I'm digging it. I set mine down because, uh, as unexpected as it was, the cigar was starting to impact me with nicotine, um, which I have not had before, but, uh, yeah, but I did have a stronger. Yeah. These are definitely stronger, but, um, uh, I enjoyed the cigar. It was truly delicious, as they often are, and uh, I have nothing bad to say about it. I wish this version would have been a little more complex and <coughs> had a little bit more of the the sweet richness that I'm familiar with, but uh, uh, it was still a good offering, no doubt about it. Cool. I can dig it. Yes, sir. Uh, well, shall we uh, close her down? Let's do it. I don't know what we're going to smoke next time. Um, yeah. and we actually don't know when next time is. So I am looking at my calendar right now. Uh, next time would be the 5th of July, uh, but I believe you have some travel plans roughly around that area. So We will be traveling on the 4th, but we'll, we'll figure it out between now and then. All right, so you can head to uh, halfash.com, the forums, where we have uh, a, an updated, stickied, uh, always going to be there schedule note under our announcements. So you can check that out. In the coming days, we'll get something up. Uh, Kip and I will uh, circle back on that one. And, hey, I know it's summer, but with all the pipe tobacco you're smoking, you want to do another pipe show next? Sure. Cool, man. Let's uh, let's put it on the books. Once we get a date down, we'll throw it on the website and uh, let you know. I can dig that's it. That's what we're going to be doing. By the next time, the next time we record, I will be in the U.S. and have been through my stash at that point. So, ooh, all right, dig it. Close us out. All right, well, folks. As always, we certainly appreciate you tuning in wherever you happen to be when you're hearing us or whenever you happen to be when you're hearing us. Um, If you want to come back around next time, as you just heard, for episode 197, we will be smoking pipes once again with a blend as yet to be determined. Uh, But in the meantime, if you want to get in touch with us, maybe make a recommendation on the blend. And if I have it laying around, we'll get on it. Uh, If you want to hit us up at uh, by email at greg at halfash.com, or Kip at halfashed.com. And like always, you can find us Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or our own little corner of the internet over on the forum at Halfashed. Uh, we'd love to have you over there as well. Yes, sir. As always, thank you, my friend. I uh, enjoyed the hell out of our evening, as I so often do. Enjoyed the cigar, enjoyed the company, enjoyed the camaraderie, and... As I so often close this out, I will say in the wise words of one of our two mentors, Mr. Dale Roush, the one and only Mr. Dale Roush, Mr. Dusty Coco himself. Boy, that could be a stripper name if I've ever heard one now that I mention it. (laughs) Uh, Good night, everybody. Thanks for listening. 